This is Pastor Scott. Thank you so much for checking out my sermon podcast from the New Hope Walpolopin Faith, Stairwell, and Slocum United Methodist Churches. We'd love to have you join us some Sunday for worship. To find out more about our locations and worship times, find us on Facebook at New Hope Walpolopin. We hope to see you soon. But our story today begins with Mary uh, Magdalene. She's going to Jesus' tomb. Um, other Gospels uh, say the reason that she was going, that she was going to prepare the body for burial. As you remember, uh, it was two weeks ago, maybe three, we talked about Lazarus and Jesus' raising of Lazarus. And we discussed that Jewish tradition believes that the soul leaves the body after three days, or if it hits a pothole in Pennsylvania. But they believe... <laughs> But they believed the, the soul stayed in the body for three days and then it left. So it had been three days. So Mary was going to, she presumed Jesus' soul had left his body and she was going to go um, prepare him for burial. Um, so she's on her way there and uh, she arrives at the tomb, um, most likely going to ask, you know, can I get into the tomb? I want to prepare his body because um, it was also a somewhat hasty burial because of the way things happened, um, because it was approaching the Sabbath, and so they had to get the body put in the tomb so they didn't exactly get everything done that needed to be done. But she arrives while it's still dark, and she finds that, that it's open and his body is gone. Um, not wanting to go in there by herself in the darkness, she runs back and tells Simon Peter and the other disciple, uh, who we read is the one that Jesus loved, um, most believe that this was John. And he tells them, or she tells them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have laid him. So Peter and John begin running for the tomb. And this is one of my favorite probably digs in scripture is Peter and John begin running it, running to the tomb. And John makes it a point to let everybody know that he is faster than Peter because it says, and John, and he outran Peter to the tomb. Um, tradition, I mean, most of it, they believe that John was younger um, I also believe Peter might have been a little more on the portly side, speaking of weight gain. Um, I, that's it. I'm just looking like Peter. That's what it is. But um, so Peter gets there, gets there after John. But what we see is John arrives and he kind of bends over and looks in the tomb. Uh, many of the tombs were underground, so there were a few steps leading to the tomb. So he kind of pokes his head in. Um, but he doesn't go straight in. And what I love is the description of what you read is that you read that Peter gets there. And I almost see Peter just pushing past John to get there because Peter, I could see Peter just rushing headlong in because that's sort of Peter. I mean, he's the one that stepped out of the boat. He's the one that cut off the ear. I mean, Peter was kind of seemed to be that kind of personality. I know, was it type A? Is that what that is with the whole Myers-Briggs and all that? But I could see Peter being that kind of forceful, just kind of pushing ahead. So this is what we read. We received, he bent over talking about John looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. The, the description of the cloth lying there is important. Um, Chances are the linen used to wrap Jesus' body wouldn't have been of a cheap kind. It was probably expensive. Um, so it's unlikely that if his body had just been stolen by thieves, that they would leave that cloth behind. If they were going to steal his body, they would take the cloth so that they could sell it um, to make a little bit of money. But we also read um, that the cloth used to wrap his head was there and lying separate. Now, this version just says it was lying separate in its place. Um, the one that, that Darlene just read for us and other versions actually say that it was rolled up or that it was folded and lying at the head. 
Um, this is important because Jesus was a carpenter um, by trade before he went into ministry. And it was common for a carpenter to have a cloth with them that they would use to wipe the sweat from their brow. Um, they would use it to wipe the the sawdust off of the wood as they were working on it. Uh, remember the old show that used to be on PBS where the gentleman, the, the man worked with stuff. He used old school tools. He didn't use any power tools. To, to I can't remember what it's called, but um, so so he would have to wipe the sawdust away so that he could look for for edges that maybe were a little too pointy or for for splinters, and he would have to then sand those again. So that was common for them to have it, kind of like the old um, the, the the trope that we have of the gas station attendant always has the right the red rag in their back pocket, you know, and they're wiping their brow and they're wiping their hands with it, something similar to that. And when they had finished a project, a carpenter, they would often take that that rag they were done and they would just lay the rag over the project that was done. Um, kind of, you know, sort of like it's done, so I'm just going to put my rag here. I don't need it anymore because this project is finished. Reminds us of something that Jesus said on Good Friday, on that Friday on the cross. And Jesus said, it is finished. So it's that idea that um, it is finished. The work has been done. And then it was carefully placed there uh, as a message. But John saw that these linens were still there, and we read that Scripture said he saw and believed. that it, it, Once he saw what the tomb, that there was no body, that the cloths were there, it said he believed. But we also read that the disciples didn't quite understand what was going on. Um, I don't think they believed that he had actually risen from the dead. They just thought that his spirit or his body had gone into heaven. Um, they didn't that understand that there was a physical resurrection. They just thought that, poof, Jesus was in heaven. Um, so they go back to their homes um, kind of thinking that things weren't really changed that much, that Jesus was gone, which was great. But I don't think they understood that something else was happening. And so they, they had left, uh, and part of that might have been Jesus talked a lot about leaving them and where I'm going, you cannot follow. He, he said this message quite a few times. So they assumed that he was just gone. But then we see that Mary stayed, um, which I think is interesting because if I was a disciple and, and I was there and Jesus' body is gone, I would be afraid that Pilate and all of the Romans would be thinking, hey, these disciples stole his body. Let's go get him. So I would sort of want to get get out of Dodge as quick as I could, right? I mean, you wouldn't want to stay there at the scene of the crime, if you will. But Mary lingers, and Mary is crying, and it says that she goes into the tomb. She's crying, and two angels dressed in white asked her why she was crying. Um, it does say that they were in white robes. I don't know that they were in full angel, ro angel I don't know, appearance because – um, we don't read where Mary was alarmed. She wasn't surprised by their presence. But they ask her why she's crying, and she says that they've taken his body away. And then somebody behind her asks. She turns around, and she sees what she thinks is the gardener. And Jesus then calls her by name, and she recognizes him and says this. She turns towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. So Mary is the first to the tomb. Um, Mary is the last to leave the tomb, and Jesus calls her by name. We also see that Mary then turns and goes to the disciples and gives them this message that she's the first to be able to say that, that Jesus is alive. I have actually seen him. Uh, I have seen the Lord is what she says to them. And to me, I see this as an important reminder that women play an important part in ministry. Um, women did in Jesus' day that he had many disciples that were women. And, and still today in our churches, we have men, women that faithfully serve, that, that fill in when I'm gone, that preach, that speak and lead. 
Um, and I always, I always like to throw that in here whenever I preach on this passage because I think it's important for us to remember that women are important in the church. Because without Mary going to them, the disciples eventually would have known but would never have known right away that Jesus was still alive. But we read that after uh, Jesus, we know, we know as it goes that Jesus did eventually will appear to the disciples. But 1 Corinthians 15, 16, Paul also tells us that after he had revealed himself to the disciples, Jesus went on to reveal himself to others. He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Paul says this to, to point out that, that Jesus had appeared to over 500 people as proof that, that the resurrection actually happened. When, when many of the, when the Gospels and, and when Paul's passage, Scripture was written, Jesus was, and Jesus, you know, had appeared to some people. There were people still alive that Jesus had appeared, that had seen the risen Christ. So they would have easily defuted, debunked, to, to you know, well, no, he didn't really rise. But there were witnesses to the resurrection, and I think that's important for us to remember, as we sometimes wrestle with scripture and, and the truth and what happened, is that when this was written, people were still alive that witnessed it. And think about how quickly we debunk things today in our world. So why would they still write that and not debunk it, especially when their lives were at stake for following Jesus? One of the things we have to remember about Easter is that without the cross, there would be no Easter. Without the cross, there would be no resurrection. Jesus died on that Friday. He rose from the dead to bring us new life. Because for something to be resurrected, first it must die. When I was younger, my family raised horses. Um, I've been kicked. I've been bitten. Not in the head. But I've, I've been, I've been uh, had a couple of run-ins with horses. Uh, my brother was thrown off. I was not thrown off. But, but we had um, – we raised horses. Um, we didn't have a lot of property. It wasn't a big horse farm. You know, it wasn't one of those Kentucky ones with the white flowing fences and the bluegrass and all that. Uh, we were in Indiana. We just had a little bit of land. But we had an old um, small barn that was kind of a, a stable, and we ended up uh, – it was falling apart, so we ended up tearing it down uh, just for safety. And I don't remember much about it. I just remember what it looked like, but I don't even remember going in it. But I remember we tore it down, and we moved the horses to a different part of our property. And uh, that summer or that fall, um, I remember our pumpkins started rotten and fall, you know, and just kind of, you know what pumpkins do, they get really gross. And so we threw the pumpkins, seeds and all, into that field where the horse barn used to sit. Um, we didn't think much about it until uh, later, closer to fall, we started noticing green popping up pretty good. And then these little orange things started growing on the end of the vines. And the next thing you knew that winter or that, that fall, we had, we had huge pumpkins because where there were horses, there is manure. So we didn't even think about it. Um, so we, we ended up having this great harvest of pumpkins that we didn't even intend. We never really grew pumpkins. It just kind of happened organically, literally organically. But um, I share this story because it reminds me of, of spring and, and what Jesus said in John 12, 24, as he was discussing his own death, as he said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. In the spring, many of you are gardeners, and you plant seeds, you plant things, hoping that something new is going to grow from this tiny seed. You, you bury it in the cold, dark ground, you tend it, and you wait. Uh, I remember as a kid, 
I don't know if we still do that in schools where you take the little plant when you were younger and you put it in the ground and you water it and you put it in the window and you anxiously wait for it to grow and um, you know, eventually this, you sit there and you wait and you wait and a little green, something a little green starts to show up and you get all excited about it. When Jesus died, it was kind of like he was planting that seed. He became that seed. He was buried in the cold, dark tomb. And when that happened, all hope seemed lost. On Saturday, there were no disciples. On Saturday, there were no believers. On Saturday, everybody had lost hope. They thought Jesus was dead and that Jesus was gone. And this, this revolution, this thing that they were working in and giving time and energy towards, they thought it was over and done because their leader was gone. See, it wasn't until that Sunday, it wasn't until they, they made it to the tomb and they saw that empty tomb, it wasn't until Jesus appeared to them that they regained their hope, that they believed, and the revolution continued even today. As Christians, there are many things in our lives that we need to allow to pass, to die, including our own selfish nature. We read these words in Romans 6, 7, and 8. It says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. See, we let these things die. We let these things pass away so that something new can be born. If you think think about... Um, Around our churches, we've had plants and, and plants that we have annuals, and some of those have passed away, and some of those have died. And I know at some of our churches, we've, we've been doing some weeding and moving those around. Some of you all have been doing that. Um, see, we have to get rid of the old dead things so that something new can grow. And for us in our personal lives, it could be any number of things that inhibits our own growth. Um, it could be a bad habit, it could be an addiction. It could even be a long-held belief or an attitude that we need to let go of. It could be our expectations of what life should be like. It, it could be our expectations of what we think others should be doing. It could be our own wants and desires. See, in order for us to live in Christ, we must first die in the flesh. But see, when we allow these things to die, we allow them to pass, something new can spring forth. 2 Corinthians 5:17 tells us, therefore if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. When we accept Christ, we put our faith and trust in him. The Holy Spirit will come and help assist us in doing this work. And it's a work that must be done. We can't claim Christ and keep living the old lifestyle. We can't keep claim Christ and keep living in a way that is contrary to what he tells us and how he tells us to live. But when we accept him, we have to allow the, the Holy Spirit to come in and do a little spring cleaning, if you will. We need to allow the Spirit to come in and, and remove those things that would inhibit our growth, those, the selfishness and the things that don't belong in us. And we need to allow the Spirit to begin planting the seeds that, that need to grow, the fruit of the Spirit, the seeds of, of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, gentleness and, and self-control. And I've said it time and time again from up here. That is the proof that we are a disciple of Jesus Christ, that we have these things in our lives. If you see anybody and if you're one of them that you claim Christ but you're living in any way that's contrary to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, you need to do a little cleaning. You need to let something die within you. 
But the thing is, it doesn't happen easily. Growth is painful. Resurrection is ugly, as we talked about with Lazarus. Because a lot of times, growth happens only through struggle. Imagine that seed when it's planted in the ground. It doesn't just pop up. It has to struggle through the dirt so that it can bloom. That's the same is true for us. When seeds are planted in our lives, when we start to grow and we start to change, it's a painful thing because not just do other things have to die away, but it takes time and it takes energy and it takes work to grow. And so we have to continue to work and fight against anything that would still remain in us because evil, sin does not go quietly. But it also means that we have to remove the weeds and the thing, other things that would inhibit our own growth as well. So my question to us today is, is there some place in your life that you need to allow the spirit to do a little work? Is there some place in your life that something needs to pass away so that something better can grow? And if you have a place in your life that you are struggling where it just feels like something's not right, that's a very good chance the spirit is saying, hey, you need to let this go because I have something better. Because that's the other part of this, of this, of this life is that usually God has something better for us than we would have for ourselves. I've seen it time and time again. We have a plan. God's like, well, that's not my plan for you, but look at this. This is even better. So this morning, again, is there some place in your life that you need to allow the Spirit to do a little work? I would also ask, if you don't know who Jesus is, if you don't have that relationship, or if you had one and it's fallen away, I encourage you to invite him to come back in to begin doing that work again. So this morning, let us please let something else pass away so that something better can grow. Let us pray. Dear God, we come to you today. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Easter. We thank you for the resurrection. We just ask today, if there's anyone here that's struggling, if anyone here is something in their life that they're struggling to let go of, that they would leave it at the foot of the cross. That they would let the old thing pass away so that something new can grow. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.